How's everybody? That's good. If you didn't know, this is my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about Jesus, actually, that one's pretty good. I can keep a, that in mind. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kevin. Um, I have been coming here for a while. We've talked about this a whole bunch on the when we were down in Missouri, but it was about 16 years, I think, about that. And um, we actually met Tom and Jess, and that's how we were introduced to the church over in the Paris Street building. And once we came once, we were just like, God's here. Like, this is something we haven't felt before in, in our, you know, church-going lives that we just, we had, I don't think we had experienced the Holy Spirit and just such a, a word spirit church um, ever before, like, we did then. And hopefully we're still doing that to the best of our ability now. But um, that's, that's kind of us, my wife, Heather, who you saw up here. We've been together for a very long time now. <laughs> We were talking about that with the kids, and they were like shocked. They're like, "That's how many years have you guys have been together?" But how's our marriage? But how's our marriage? That's right. <laughs> so smooth, everything runs like a clock. Um, yeah, right. That's not any marriage. Um, but yeah, we've we've got five beautiful kids, and um, they're all gone out to Sunday school, so it's super quiet. So I'm going to drag this out for as long as I can. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that is, uh, that is us, uh, in a nutshell, but, um, I just, I was excited and a little nervous to speak on, on this section of scripture about the question about fasting, um, for a couple of reasons. One, I thought it would be actually when Tom was going through the, the lesson plans and stuff and what we were going to actually teach on and who was kind of picking what to, uh, to go over. I was like, oh, that one, that one's like so straightforward. I can do that one. That one's great. And then, of course, like anything, when you get into God's word, it's like there's so much more in there that I should have maybe read a little more and just done a little more studying before I picked everyone. But anyways, I'm, I'm glad I'm teaching on this, and hopefully you guys are blessed by it. Um, one thing before I kind of start started into it, I just wanted to acknowledge that we as a community here are super blessed to have such great teachers like Tom bringing the word and Jillian and Scott's brought the word and, and just, we are and Kevin <laughs> and class. And yeah, just, we have, and, and Nate. Yeah. And Nate. Yeah, absolutely. We, we are blessed by the teachers that we have here. And I think that it is really easy to kind of take for granted that, you know, I think of Tom coming up every week. It is hard. It is a lot. When you get into, I mean, like, these are not very many verses that I'm going through, and there is a wild amount that I didn't include, and a, hopefully just the right amount that I did. <laughs> but there's just so much depth to the scriptures, and it's hard to be able to uh, discern what to preach on, what to leave out. You know, there's you don't want to miss God's word and misinterpret it and teach it in a way that is not correct that's there's so many warnings about that and we take that seriously and i i am blessed by it and i just i thank you guys so much for that and also that's a little bit of a challenge for us as well there's so much time being put into these weekly sermons that to sit and ignore it and just kind of go through the motions is not you're not being fed well and i would challenge you to if you have missed a week 
or even if you, you know, miss something during the service, go back and listen to it during the week. They're online. You can hear them again. See what you can actually glean. See what you can um, ask God to just reveal through these things. Because there there's lots to be had, and there's obviously different things that the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. So let's challenge ourselves to, to partake in these as well. It's not just a, a speech and that's nice and then go home. It's something to be challenged by and to learn and grow and for us to be united in this together, right? So, um, Okay, so this week I'm going to be going through this section in chapter 9 where Jesus is talking about fasting. And my title this week, or when Tom was actually had them uh, kind of written out, it was uh, Freedom from Religious Scrupulosity. Yeah, thank you. That's what I thought. And then, does anybody know what that means? Because I'll be honest, I did not. Freedom from re religious scrupulosity. Yeah. Yeah. So scrupulo. Do you want me to spell that out? S C R U P U L O S I. T Y. Scrupulosity, so that is a, uh, basically is a pathological guilt or anxiety about moral or religious matters. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So again, read it twice before you say yes to something. Um, but basically it means that we are so guilt-ridden with sin, that we use religious sin or other things, that we use religious practices or rules to keep kind of that guilt in check. All right? That's, that's my interpretation of it. Okay? So it keeps our guilt in check. It doesn't keep sin in check. Um, and this becomes our actual objective. Instead of seeking God and going after the Lord with all of our heart and unburdened, we actually go after the practices that hopefully alleviating any of that guilt. Yeah. So things like, well, fasting would be one thing, I guess. Maybe we're talking that specifically, but there's so many more that go under that category. Um, so we are specifically talking about fasting in this case, but there is more to it than that. It's the, it's the pra traditional practices that kind of distract us, actually, instead of um, give life to us. So it takes our eyes off of Jesus, basically, and, and what he has done, and it takes our gaze back into something that we can control, but doesn't actually do anything for us. Okay, And what Jesus is teaching us here in this section of Scripture, and has been teaching us through the last few weeks, is that Jesus is reorient reorientating our perspective of who he is and what it means to be a follower of God. He's taking down walls of traditionalism and religious practices, and Jesus is trying to explain the simplicity of the gospel message. Okay, he's taking down all that red tape of religion and rules that were originally meant to help us be closer to God, but instead have started to become um, a hindrance and a distraction away from him. Okay? He is meeting people where they are at, and he's telling them that he loves them, and then he is showing them what it means to be loved by him. And Jesus is giving clarity to, as to what it really looks like to be living in his kingdom here on earth. To love God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, with all our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. He is not here to try and repair 
humanity's attempts of religious regulations and rules to, to show a, but to show us a new way of a kingdom living that properly represents who he is and why he's come. And then also to teach us how to act in light of those teachings. So that's not heavy. We're good. Um, I'm going to pray first. Um, Lord, I just, I thank you that, that you came to set us free from not just sin, which is ridiculously amazing and beautiful, but Lord, you came to set us free from the idea that we, um, that we can do it on our own, that we have some kind of formula to get close to you, to take your place in some ways, to, um, to make it okay where it's not okay. Lord, I pray that we stop trying to do things on our own where we can't and pray that we put our trust and faith in you in new ways, things that we have held on to that we shouldn't be holding on to, things that we are trying to control that we cannot. I pray that we place that back in your hands, Lord, where it, is rightfully, uh, where it rightfully belongs. And I pray that that be not a burden, but actually a relief that we are able to hand these things over to you that um, are kind of tying us up and distracting us from what you really have for us. So I just pray that as we go through this section of scripture that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to us and that we would just be able to take what is from you and hold it in our hearts, Lord, and anything else, just lay it to the side. So we just thank you, Lord, and we pray this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. All right. So there's only like three or four verses, so I'm going to just go verse by verse and kind of break down some of the things that I felt God was putting on my heart for us and just some of the things that we felt were kind of um, poignant, I guess. Um, so verse 14, it says, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And when I was reading that, there was two questions that I kind of wanted to answer here on the how and why do we fast. And I think that those answers to those questions help to inform us on Jesus' response to John's disciples and why they asked that question. Okay, so how do we fast? And Jesus told us that how to fast actually in, in the Beatitudes in chapter 6. And if I go back to that, chapter 6, um, 16 to 18, I'm just going to read through that. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, which was normal practices, right? that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So when we fast, we do it without making a big deal about it, a big show of it, and it's to be done with a certain amount of discretion as to not draw extra attention to the fact that we are fasting. And the why is answered in that same, same portion as well. Uh, we are to fast and to be fasting to our Father in heaven. We are not fasting for each other. 
We are fasting to draw close to our Heavenly Father without distraction and with a deeper dependence on Him. It is to draw our hearts closer to His. Okay? So that is the why and how of fasting. And the fasting that John's disciples and the Pharisees are doing is out of an obligation to tradition and practices. Okay? They have placed themselves kind of back at the center of why they're doing something like this in the first place. They're missing the how to fast firstly uh, by making kind of a bigger show of it. But so much more importantly, they are missing the why we fast. They are literally missing the fact that fasting is an intentional time to seek after God without distraction. And he is standing right there in front of them. And if we get caught up in those religious practices, if we take you know, communion just because that's the thing that we do, we are going to also miss God who is standing right in front of us. Yeah. We are not above what they were missing as well. It's, it's just as relevant now as it is then. Okay, so that brings me to uh, Jesus' response in the next verse. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will, and they will fast. Um, and Jesus, I felt like speaking, is speaking in duality here. Firstly, um, if there was a wedding, then fasting would not be an appropriate response to a wedding feast. Um, they would have likely had a, a, at least a few days, if not a week of fasting to celebrate a wedding. So fasting would not have been... So, a feasting, sorry. Yes, a feasting, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they would have feasted for a week. And, um, and it would have been a beautiful celebration. So fasting during the feasting would have been the opposite. It would have been not a great party. <laughs> kind of boring. Um, and secondly, and I'd say more importantly in that what he's speaking here is he's calling himself the bridegroom. And again, emphasizing that uh, this time should be celebrated and not mourned with fasting. Um, so now that when I was reading it, you know, as you do, you just kind of skim over at first and then you read it again and you get a little deeper. But at first, it doesn't seem like such a big deal that he references himself as the bridegroom. But what Jesus is actually referencing here with the word bridegroom is actually an Old Testament word for Yahweh or God. So if we look back in Hosea, I never say it right, Hosea? This is kind of what he's referencing back to. So in chapter 2, I'm just going to do 19 and 20, but you could probably go 16 to 20 and get the whole perspective there. But, and I will betroth you to me. This is, sorry, this is uh, God, uh, God's mercy on Israel. So he's refer or talking to Israel uh, or referencing Israel in this. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And um, John's disciples during this time would have recognized that and known the significance of what Jesus is using as his example. So, um, I mean, for us now to hear that Jesus uh, is, is God is not anything new. 
But if you remember back even a couple of weeks ago when Jillian was preaching, she was speaking about the paralytic man that was healed by Jesus. And Jesus, when he had healed him, said to him, take heart, my son, my, uh, your sins are forgiven. And then if you remember, the scribes were muttering that this man is blaspheming because Jesus was actually declaring who he really is to the people and that he is God. And they didn't fully understand that, obviously, at the time, which is why they're also not getting what Jesus is saying about um, him being the bridegroom and probably taken back by that fact. Um, so Jesus is again declaring who he is at this time and that he is the fulfillment of so many prophecies before him. He's bringing with him a religious freedom to spend personal time with him, like in the flesh at this time, right in front of them, spending time with them to draw close to them. Um, he is uh, a freedom to serve one another and love one another, free from the rules and regulations of who can serve, first of all, and when they can serve and how it should be done. And that's what Jesus is making a new way of doing that without any kind of religious constraint on it. Jesus continues here in 16 and 17. And it says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. So Jesus is just making a plain statement here that he has not come to patch up humanity's religious attempts to complete their own salvation. He is stating that who he is and what he brings is something new that cannot be repackaged into what was already uh, made. There is no room for new life in those old wineskins. Jesus is asking that we accept the opportunity to, mo uh, to more freely have a deeper and more personal relationship with him, the creator of the heavens and the earth, Yahweh, God, Jesus. He has given us this opportunity to be uh, in a beautiful relationship with him. He has simplified the gospel message and brought clarity to what it looks like to live in his kingdom here on earth. He's saying to John's disciples and to us, I am here, spend time with me. Receive the love that I have for you. Let me pour into you overflowing life and let that spill out to the people around you. Um, I think I had mentioned it to Tom, but when I first read this and then got into it a little bit, this reminded me of like the, the story in Luke, Mar uh, Mary and Martha. I just wanted to read a little bit of that because when I was reading it, I keep reading over this section of scripture and it just keeps reflecting to me this other portion here in, in Luke. And it just says um, in 36 here, or in 38. Uh, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And it's the same 
to me, it's the same as John's disciples coming up here and they're talking about fasting. First, they're kind of almost a little bit bragging about the fact that they're doing it <laughs> and that they're doing all these extra things and they're missing the good portion. They're missing what's right in front of them. And I think that we have an opportunity to do both of these things. We have an opportunity as we are getting into um, having our neighbors over and trying to serve them well, which Tom was talking about so well last week about the table, about inviting people in and that, that our kitchen tables can be an anchor point for people. And we can be so distracted with the hospitality side of having somebody over that we can forget about the reality that we want to actually love them well, serve them yeah. well, and show them who Jesus is and not get distracted by the, I'd say, the traditions of just serving them without thinking of anything else. You're just kind of mindfully or mindlessly doing something. So um, that was just something that was on my heart when I'm reading it. And I'm reading it going, man, Mary and Martha, that's such a, seems like such a normal thing to, to think about, but there's so much to that story even of just taking that time away from distractions and spending it with Jesus is so crucial for us. Um, I actually don't have much more than that. Um, but I just, I want to encourage us that we, um, that we can't make a way for ourselves out of our own strengths. And no matter how many kind of religious practices we could try and take up, it is our, our only way is through Jesus. And the only way to serve one another well and to even serve Anchor Point well as a community is to first and foremost love God with all of our heart and to allow Him to point us in the right direction. Allow Him to work through us not trying to manipulate what he has done, but just allowing him to work through us and sharing what he has placed on our heart for others and be bold in that, to be encouraging to one another and yeah, just to love God well. And I think that's all I have, but we're going we're gonna to finish up with a song here and um, I'm just going to pray and then I'll let the worship team take over. Lord, I thank you that you are here with us now. Lord, I pray that we don't miss an opportunity to lean into you, Lord, that we don't miss an opportunity to hear from you, to be able to speak and share our heart with you, Lord. I pray that we don't miss opportunities daily to do that same thing. It's not just this building. You don't live in this building, Lord. You live in our hearts, and I pray that we would Seize those times, those moments. Take away distractions and just seize those moments to be able to sit with you, to learn from you, to read your word, to pray. You give us such opportunity to spend time with you, Lord, and I pray that we don't um, get distracted by the legalities of everything else to just, yeah, I just pray that we spend time with you, Lord deepen our relationship with you, deepen our trust in you, and know that you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us, Lord? So we thank you, and we pray this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.